Welcome to this special series of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast, hosted by me, Christina Simmons, who will be your guide for this audio online retreat that's going to be focused upon continuing to help you become the saint God created you to be. This retreat, we're going to be reading from the spiritual classic, The Soul of the Apostolate by Dom Jean-Baptiste Chattard. And it's going to include a brief reflection and daily resolution. It's designed to help you incorporate and live out that wisdom in your daily life. So join with me now as we take our next step on our pilgrimage towards holiness. Welcome to day 36. Begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask you to open our hearts and minds as we pray this prayer from St. Augustine, our patron and intercessor. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So today we continue with the uh, same section, but it's the latter half of importance of the formation of shock troops and of spiritual direction. And we had just concluded with the analogy about the formation of shock troops. So we continue this section now. We have listened with great respect to these various opinions as expressed by both men and women engaged in Catholic action all of them persons of incontestable zeal and good faith. We will not make any attempt to reconcile the opposing factions. Writing, as we do, with our venerated confraries and the priesthood chiefly in mind, we prefer to ask ourselves what kind of an answer would have been given by the saintly Father Alamond or Father Timon David if they were asked to bring these two doctrines into harmony with one another in a just mean. These two priests had the following plan. 1. To bring to light from among the hundreds of young Christians in their movement a minority, even though infinitesimally small, capable of really desiring and seriously practicing the interior life. 2. Then to enkindle their souls to white heat with love for our Lord, inspiring them with the ideal of the evangelical virtues and isolating them as much as possible from contact with other students, clerks, or workers, etc., as long as their interior life had not reached the point where it could truly make them immune to all contagion. 3. Finally, at the right time, to give these young men a zeal for souls in order to use them to reach their comrades more effectively. It would take too long to say precisely what was the minimum which these two priests demanded of non-fervent candidates to keep them for a certain length of time in the movement. Let us rather draw attention to the great importance they gave to spiritual direction in carrying out their plan. Father Alamond undertook the individual direction of each youth and excelled in arousing holy enthusiasm for perfection and in convincing them that the best proof of devotion to the Sacred Heart is to imitate the virtues of our divine model. As for Canon Timon David, he was not only an excellent confessor, highly skilled in discovering and dressing wounds of the soul, but also a remarkable spiritual director. No one knew better than he did how to set hearts on fire with love of virtue, and he stirred up those who shared his, this work of direction with him not to be content in their guidance of souls, 
with the principles of moral theology proper to the purgative life, but to make use of their directions to steer souls towards the illuminative life. His earnest desire to make his priestly collaborators true directors of souls was something hard to equal. Both of these men considered that their short exhortations before the weekly absolution were not enough, nor were they content to stop at their talks to the use as a group, their organization of the liturgical life, nor even their extremely interesting conferences for the select group. They considered that personal direction for each member once a month was indispensable. They were convinced that after prayer and sacrifice, the most effective means of of obtaining from God the grace to form these shock troops, which are to rebuild the world, is the activity of a real priest in all the branches of his ministry, but especially in spiritual direction. Let us leave the limited area of youth movements and consider the whole field which the church is to cultivate. Works of every sort, parishes, seminaries, communities, even missions. No man is capable of being his own guide. Everyone has weakness to overcome, attractions to keep in order, duties to fulfill, dangers to undergo, occasions of peril to be avoided, difficulties to overcome, and doubts to resolve. If one needs help in all this, a fortiori he will require it in his struggle for perfection. It would be an omission, and sometimes a grave omission, in a priest, bound by his duty as teacher and surgeon of souls, if he were to deprive them of this great supplement to confession, this indispensable source of energy for the spiritual life, which is spiritual direction. It is too bad for those enterprises or movements or institutions whose confessors, always in a hurry, scarcely give their penitents anything before absolution except a pious but vague exhortation often the same for everyone, instead of providing the specific remedy which an experienced and painstaking doctor would know how to select according to the state of each patient. Even though he may have great faith in the efficacy of the sacrament, is the penitent not exposed in such a case to view the confessor as a sort of automatic dispenser, like those slot machines on station platforms where mechanically you slip you a piece of candy? How privileged, on the other hand, are those clubs, schools, orphanages, etc., where the confessor knows the art of direction and is convinced that he must, before everything else, make use of it if he wants to make all these souls potentially attuned to a high ideal, throw themselves wholeheartedly into the practice of the interior life. How many fathers and mothers have noticed that their influence on their children and their friends has greatly increased because they have found a real director? What wealth there is to put into circulation in a child's soul. The tree is just about to lean one way or another, and stay that way. For lack of spiritual direction to fit their age and dispositions from childhood on, many of them become adults whom we will no longer be able to number among the fairer flowers of Christ's garden. How many priestly and religious vocations might have blossomed forth among them? Often a parish or a mission will go on for several generations, showing the influence of some priest who is able to do something besides giving absolution. Besides ours and Mesnil San Lupe, we, would, we could cite other places which are true centers of the spiritual life in the midst of a general tepidity because they once had the happiness to possess a zealous, prudent, and experienced director. Some years ago, when I was in Japan, I was astonished and deeply moved when I had the happiness to come in contact with some members of the numerous Christian families, which were discovered years ago near Nagasaki. I have never heard anything so amazing. Surrounded by pagans, 
forced to conceal their religion, deprived of priests for three centuries, these Christians of staunch courage receive from their parents not only faith, but fervor. Where are we to find the moving power strong enough to explain the strength and duration of this extraordinary heritage? The answer is easy. Their ancestors have been trained by a superb director of shock troops, St. Francis Xavier. How can some of our minor seminaries, having no spiritual directors, serve as nurseries for future priests, when most of their students have not been put on the path to perfection at an early age, how will they be able to avoid mediocrity later on in the exercise of the priesthood? Indeed, they will be fortunate enough, these souls who are groping to find their way, if they are not completely derailed from their desire to become priests by their admiration for the glitter of natural talents in certain of their teachers who manifest indifference for the interior life and disdain for consistent spiritual direction. The proof of the fact that many subjects in religious communities, contemplative as well as active, merely vegetate for lack of spiritual direction, is to be found in the radical change we have frequently observed in tepid souls who have returned to the fervor they had at profession as soon as they finally found a conscientious director. Some confessors seem to forget that the consecrated souls in their charge are obliged to tend to perfection and have a real need of help and encouragement to achieve that continuous progress, which may be applied the words of the psalm. In his heart he hath disposed to ascend by steps. They shall go from virtue to virtue, from Psalm 83, and to become, after that, true apostles of the interior life. How many priests, too, would be far more fervent and find all their happiness in the Eucharistic and liturgical life and in the progress of souls if the confessor of their choice showed them a genuine friendship, tactfully drawing them by persuasion into monthly direction in view of obligation to strive for that perfection, which is incumbent upon them even more than it is upon religious. Have you ever noticed what a great importance the writers of the lives of saints give to the spiritual directors of those whose biographies they compose? Do you not think that the church would have many more saints if generous souls, especially priests and religious, received more serious direction? If the priest had not given such intimate direction to the parents of St. Therese of the Child Jesus, and if later on the representatives of God had not exercised a direct influence upon this soul chosen by our Lord, would the earth now be receiving from heaven the shower of roses that cover it? Father de Sermont often returns in his writings to the thought that, for certain souls, salvation is completely tied up with sanctity, all or nothing, burning love of Christ or adoration of the world and allegiance to the direction of Satan, sanctity or damnation. If this is the case, would it be rash for us to fear that many priests will receive a frightful shock at the last judgment when they find out that they are, to a certain extent, responsible for the mediocrity and even the loss of souls because they neglected to study the art of spiritual direction and would not take the trouble to practice it? They may have been good administrators, wonderful preachers, full of solicitude for the sick and the poor, but they have nonetheless neglected this outstanding feature of our Lord's own strategy, the transformation of society by means of chosen souls. The little flock of disciples chosen and formed by Christ himself and afterwards set on fire by the Holy Spirit was enough to begin the regeneration of the world. 
We compliment those ever more numerous bishops who follow Pius X in believing that a course of aesthetic and even mystical theology is much more valuable in their major seminaries than lectures on sociology. To emphasize the importance of direction, they demand above all that their seminarians be faithful to it for the sake of their own personal progress, and that all the professors hold it in high esteem and prove that they do so by radiating the interior life. In addition to this, they also want all their candidates for the priesthood to learn everything that has anything to do with the direction of souls, an art based on well-established principles and on wise counsels, which have been actually lived by those who learn the art by experience. Of this art of arts, it is especially true that it is not enough to know merely what to do. One must also know how to do it. Consult the authors whom the church considers masters of the spiritual life, and you will find that there are plenty of false ideas and prejudices about spiritual direction, and we must get rid of them. Just let the priest allow his zeal to wander off the course without a compass. Let him hold the tiller with too weak a grip, and he will find out that some people excel in leading spiritual direction away from its true object. It soon becomes a session of sterile gossip, or he has to coddle the penitent's feelings, or flatter his self-love, or else things take a quietist turn, and he begins minimizing personal responsibility for sin. Then it is merely school of fake piety and sentimentality, which encourages the growth of sensible emotions, or of a sham religion made up of purely external devotions. Perhaps it becomes a sort of attorney's office where the penitent comes out of habit to get advice about all the trifling incidents of his life, his temporal affairs, and all the little material problems of the home. How many other wrong roads there are for the director and those he directs to go astray. So, so much here that we could spend time meditating upon, and we will continue actually this section um and we will finish no we won't uh we still have a couple more days in this section but beginning tomorrow uh we're going to be talking about uh training of the will in the midst of this but for now i want you to reflect upon the fact that there is nothing more important than helping direct souls towards perfection. He made mention of the purgative and illuminative. The third is the unitive way of the spiritual life. The purgative way is where most of us languish, uh, where unless we um, kind of buckle down and are attentive to that pursuit of perfection, then we will continue to struggle with our venial sins, most definitely, uh, but we'll occasionally struggle also with mortal sins. We will not develop that interior life. I commend each and every one of you who are pursuing this retreat and you're listening to this, even though it's difficult, trust that you are receiving whatever direction that you need, whatever wisdom that you need in order to continue to grow in your interior life. So today, for your resolution, I want you to think about how are you helping others and then to take one action in order to help someone develop in their interior life. He talked about mothers and fathers and how it is that they have an influence upon their children. We have an influence upon others. So the question is, 
how are you doing that today? Are you being attentive? You know, because yesterday I asked you to look for somebody that you can journey in holiness with. And today, um, you know, and invite them into that. And today it's how can you help them do that? And we need to develop relationship with them to know where they are. But very simply, teach them to pray. Pray with them. That is the easiest way to be able to teach someone to pray, is to pray with them. Model it. Do it with them. Um, and help them be able to grow in that interior life. Um, that's the first step, is daily prayer and meditation. So help someone do that today. Know my continued prayers for each of you. God bless. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this episode of this special series of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you think of others who may benefit from listening, be sure to share the podcast with them. Until next time, know my prayers for you to be given whatever graces you may need to continue doing whatever it takes on the journey towards holiness. So together, we can tell the master of death, not today. God bless. Thank you.